Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's unique take on world events every day. It's Cara Bentley and Alex Dibble with you today. 30 years after agreeing to, the US is about to destroy its chemical weapons, its mustard gas and nerve agents. The world's worst teacher has been fired and we're going to be hearing from the man who's fathered more than 550 babies and counting. The United States is about to destroy the last of its chemical weapons, and it could happen as early as next week. Now, this is to honour the 1993 Chemical Weapons Convention, which was signed by 193 countries. Russia destroyed its stockpile, nearly 40,000 tonnes worth, in 2017. And Michael Evans has written the piece for The Times. Uh, He's the former defence editor and former Pentagon correspondent and uh, joins us on The World in 10 now. Uh, First question to you, Michael, is, is there a reason why the US has been slower than other countries like Russia, as we just said, in destroying its chemical weapons? Um, I don't think so, particularly. Uh, The the Americans actually helped the Russians a lot to do their destruction program, providing uh, technology, etc. So I think they were, if you like, as concerned about that as they were about completing the American ones. Remember, the the actual deadline is September this year. So, you know, whether they finish this week, next week or the week after, they're still in full compliance. So I don't think anyone is suggesting uh, that the Americans have sort of uh, hung fire and delayed in order to sort of keep as many chemical weapons as possible. I don't think that's the case at all. They've they've had uh, nearly 10 plants uh, around the country involved in this destruction program and uh, they're now coming to an end. And some of the nerve agents that are in question here, like sarin, uh, for example, are, are quite you know widely known about. Does this mean that they are now a sort of thing of the past for all intents and purposes? The answer is yes and no, because the chemical weapons that are being destroyed are, are those that had been originally assigned for the potential, at least, for chemical warfare. So the convention covers this. It bans uh, the production of these weapon systems. It bans the use of them. What it doesn't do is ban the possession of them for the use of chemical weapons defense programs. In other words, countries that have the capability to defend themselves against chemical weapons will want to retain the research and development capabilities and expertise so that they will know how to act. So these nerve agents and Farron and BX and others uh, will be retained in chemical defence laboratories in order to for this uh, defensive programme to continue. And this final destruction of the chemical weapons is happening as there's a war in Ukraine and a nuclear arms race going on. It's an extraordinary contradiction. There is a, you know, a major new arms race, if you like to call it that, uh, between the three great rival powers, the United States, China and Russia. You've got uh, the world being as crazy as ever and with a war going on uh, in Europe, in Ukraine. I'd like to introduce you to Jonathan Jacob Meyer. 
He's from the Netherlands and through donating sperm has fathered more than 550 children. You take part in something like unbelievably uh, amazing, like you can help somebody with fulfilling their dream. There's nothing more beautiful than a baby. So it's almost like an honor to uh, to do so. And when you meet the parents and get some of their happiness, you just want to continue because it's such a great feeling. That was him speaking to Times Radio today. Indeed it was. Um, but there's been a twist in the tale, hasn't there? Because many of the parents uh, didn't know how many other children he had fathered. And when it began to emerge, fears grew that the children, so many of them there were, uh, might commit incest without realising. Because of that fear, he was sued and he's now been banned from helping any other mothers or couples. But many parents used his sperm and they're still angry. This was his response. I understand when somebody's upset, but when it goes further to anger or hate, then I'm sort of, well, I spend like literally thousands of hours helping people. I've been in trains, airplanes. I stayed at people's homes. So anger and hate, is that that's for me, like, that's the limit, uh, personally. But I do understand that people are maybe like, okay, that's, that's, that's shock, or we are surprised, or we are disappointed that you didn't tell us. And to the people that I didn't say the exact number, I also apologize, of course, for uh, not telling the truth. This story has been going absolutely great guns on the Times app today. This is the teacher who avoided teaching for 20 of the 24 years she was a teacher. This is a woman called Cinzia Paulina de Leo. She used sick leave, holiday time and permits to attend conferences. And the Times' Italy correspondent Tom Kington has written this piece. When she did show up to school, um, she was so awful that pupils went on strike. Apparently she was texting during exams and during teaching hours. Um, She would often show up without her textbook, so she'd have to borrow it from the pupils. (laughs) Her lessons were confused. She didn't know what she was talking about. So a combination of that and not being there most of the time meant that, uh, yeah, she she was sacked. She took the school authorities to court. She actually got her job back. Uh, Then it went to appeal where she was finally laid off. Then it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, which has just said, no, enough's enough, you're out. Now, DeLeo was unable to comment because she was at a beach. (laughs) Which seems appropriate given the story. Um, But Tom has been very busy today, Tom Kington, because he's also been covering a story about the Colosseum in Rome and a tourist who has carved his name and his girlfriend's name into the brick. Um, And it was even captured on the phone of another tourist. Police are now trying to find him, and he could be fined up to €15,000 or be put in prison. Imagine an Olympic Games where doping is allowed. You might not need to imagine very hard. The Australian entrepreneur Aaron D'Souza has launched it, and he's called it the Enhanced Games... 
and he wants to stage them next year. Mm. Uh, the Times' chief sports correspondent, Matt Lawton, has interviewed uh, Mr D'Souza, and Matt says that as well as the huge questions about athlete safety, this raises a whole load of others as well. Whether anyone will be prepared to host it, whether there's a from a local track on a, you know, a local council to uh, a, a, you know, a university sports ground in America or wherever, you know, who is actually going to say, yeah, you know, come on down, bring all your drugged up athletes down and we'll let you use our track and our swimming pool and, and our other facilities to stage your enhanced games. So I think there's a long way to go. I think it's provoking some interesting debate. Uh, and according to uh, Aaron D'Souza, has already created a bit of interest in the sporting world within the British sporting community. He says that uh, even members of Team GB have been in contact since the launch of the website last week. He he claims that a um, British Olympic medalist has been in touch, that it is gathering some pace. That's it for today. Uh, Remember, there is more on these stories on the Times website and the Times app. You can get full access to that by taking out a Times digital subscription. Another story you might be interested in on there is about Lewis Capaldi's announcement that he's taking a break from touring to deal with Tourette's syndrome. We will see you tomorrow for another World in 10. <laughs>